Cincinnati native and UC Bearcat brings the Olympic platform right into your home and has been doing it for decades. But you never know what's going to happen. After all of that, not making the team twice as an athlete, Tokyo will be my 11th Olympics for NBC. Now, Lewis Johnson reflects on his career that has taken him around the world. You know, I was never going to get ahead in the business if I was sitting at home watching it. I actually had to be there wherever there was to be involved with it. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story. But here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Today on the pod, Lewis Johnson has been trackside at some of the biggest moments in Olympic history. Now he sits down with us as he prepares for an Olympics like no other. You'll hear how COVID is impacting the games in his words, how he tried to set himself up for success, and how he's using his platform to bring locker rooms across the country together. Joining us now, Lewis Johnson, NBC Sports. He's on the sidelines of so many Olympic Games. But, you know, Lewis, take us back. You know, one of the big reasons we're talking to you is because you were a UC Bearcat. So take us back to that time at UC and kind of how it's uh, translated to what you've been doing over the past uh, 20, 30 years. Well, first of all, it's great to be with you today and uh, so glad to be able to connect with my uh, hometown, Cincinnati. And uh, of course, my time with the Bearcats there at UC up in Clifton was tremendous. It was an important part of my journey. And I'll be talking about that uh, throughout our conversation, the journey of the athletes to Tokyo. My journey actually starts on Sunday, which is going to be something. But going from a Northwest High School, graduating back in 1982 there, go Knights, uh, going to UC with no scholarship for track and field, kind of walking around trying to figure my way around things, but I had a great friend in Doug Wiseman, who I was on the track team with at UC, who was on a scholarship at um, uh, there. And uh, we decided to continue to meet and talk. And finally, after two years, I walked on and three years later, I was an All-American. So uh, that was a pretty unlikely uh, transition, but it was just a chance to, I, I had an opportunity to compete and run for the Bearcats and it, it went well. And then I was able to do that and then go to the trials in 88. Uh, again, in 92, didn't make the team, but you never know what's going to happen. After all of that, not making the team twice as an athlete, Tokyo will be my 11th Olympics for NBC. So my time on campus there at UC uh, was tremendous and a very, very important part of my journey. Mm-hmm. And so thanks to, the, you know, your attempt to make the U.S. Olympic team, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they just gravitate towards the Olympic Games. They, they see the people who make it. You know, you were in the 800 meters, two laps of all out. You know, I, I did it a couple times in high school and it is a beast of a race. Yes. You know, t- take us through that getting just to that point, the Olympic trials, and you get to the starting line with other people who are you know, just as fast as you. What is that experience like? Uh, it's it's daunting. It's overwhelming. But uh, preparation is the key, like in everything that we do. Um, thankfully, I had a great coach at UC and Bill Schneer. Uh, he accepted me when I decided to walk on in 1985. And after a year of running the 400 and getting chewed up pretty good across the conference, he said, you need to move up young man to a different event. And it was Bill Schneer to his credit, who said, we, we need to go to the 800. And I, I accepted that and I embraced it. And uh, the workouts were hard, but um, he just walked me along. And then we finally got the qualification for the uh, NCAA meet in 1987. <clears throat> and then, you know, that went well. And then going on over to the trials. But when you walk into the Olympic trials and Flo Joe's competing and and, you know, Jackie Joyner Kersey is competing and all these people are competing. You're like, wow, what am I doing here? So it was pretty wild. And in my event, it was Johnny Gray, who was longtime the American record holder there uh, in 800. And um, I was in and out one round, but it was just a, an incredible experience. But I tell you, life is funny, uh, Steve, right there at, at the last day of those trials in a hotel lobby, someone told me about track and field in Europe. And that conversation led me to an opportunity about 10 days later in Brussels. And that's where my whole life went like that. And I was able to 
able to have my first experience overseas to compete. And once I smell that, it was over. I wanted to do that forever. Um, Procter & Gamble had offered me a job in sales and I had to come back and turn that down. Maybe the biggest conversation was telling my parents I was turning the job down. <laughs> so, but uh, they were so gracious with P&G and told me you know, if I ever changed my mind in four days, four months or whatever to come back. But I went on with my track and field career and that's how it exploded and you know ended up going to California to follow Johnny Gray and train with him back to the trials in 92 and I got to the semifinals and it was a heartbreak. But sometimes those heartbreaks really build you for what's coming next. And the opportunities in TV were what would be around the corner. And, and, and I'm so thankful that I stuck with it. And that's really a great message. I think to anybody, whatever that dream is, even if it's crazy and big, you know, don't give up on it, just keep pursuing it and keep moving forward. Absolutely. And that's that's such a great message for, you know, when your career transitioned from, on the track to right off of it. And I've, I've watched track and field over the years. I've seen your work and you are right there when these athletes are doing such incredible things, you know, take us to that moment where, you know, pick somebody, you know, you are the first person there with a the microphone in your hand, you know, they're trying to catch their breath and you're trying to get, get them, uh, you know, gathered to ask them these questions. But, you know, what's that moment like as a former athlete to talk to these current athletes doing such incredible things. And it feels like everybody's just getting faster and faster and faster. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And I'll take you back to the U.S. Olympic trials in Eugene, Oregon. And she's not an Olympian, but the moment that Shakari Richardson won the 100 meters there at the trials was a big one. Uh, big in performance and time. The fact that she was going to be an Olympian at that moment, but also big because of the information that she shared with me in that interview. First of all, the run up to see her grandmother and embrace her. And there was something special going on there. The way they embraced, you could tell that there was a, an incredible bond there. And then for her to come back down to the track and trying, I'm trying to, you know, get this person. Where's the other person? Where's the second and third? I mean, it is, it is a circus behind the scenes. Um, and then for her to, you know, share with the world that she had lost her biological mom of the week before and the stress that she was under still trying to compete was, was a shocker. And I think we saw by the way, the people, social media reacted, everybody from, you know, the former first lady of the United States responding on social media to people across the country and around the world have somehow fallen in love with her because she was transparent and authentic. And I think that is the most important things that athletes can be, whether it's at trials or it's at the Olympic Games, is really share from your heart what these moments mean. And my job there in the interview position is to, in the least amount of words, get this microphone in front of them so they can begin to talk and open up. So it's uh, I, I'm thankful for all the experiences I've had in those moments. Some of them have been great because people have done amazing things. And sometimes it's a, it's a heartbreaking disaster. And I have to try and navigate all that at the same time. But it is an incredible spot uh, to be there trackside at the Games. Um, this is going to be very different. No fans will be different and we're ready to embrace that. But being there with them is, is, is super special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so cool to see those moments happen, you know, live right there after they are achieving a dream that they may not have even thought they'd be able to get to. And then, you know, here they are crossing the finish line and on their way to the Olympics. Uh, so let's go back in time a, a little bit, you know, you've done college football, you've done NBA basketball, you've done the summer Olympics and the winter Olympics for you. What's been the biggest challenge in your career through all of these sports? Cause you know, we're expected to be experts when we're stepping in front of the camera and sometimes we might be faking it a little bit, but, but we're going to make it happen there. What's been the biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle in your career as far as covering all of these sports? Yeah, I think early on, Steve, it was information management because, uh, you know, oftentimes there's so much information. For instance, if you're covering a college football game, I mean, you've got 80, 90 players, right? And you've got multiple stories, you've got coaching, you've got conferences, you've got all 
all these different stories. And so how do I pair all of this down to this and come up with three or four or five important stories and then also respond to what actually happens live? Because sometimes all the prep goes out the window because what, hap- what happens live is completely different. Um, and it's the same way covering the Olympics. We have so many different stories, but we have incredible research people who uh, bring us information early and often. Uh, and you learn over time what you need and what you don't need, or at least how to access something really quick. But for me, in the live moment of conducting an interview at a trials or the Olympic Games or what have you, it's about being in the moment. Our analyst and play-by-play uh, uh, man, Ali Diffie, and of course, we've got such great analysts up there. They were they are kind of weaving the story in the most important points as we get the race set up. So my job is to really listen closely to that. I kind of know what they are anyway. But then as the race happens, kind of look at these inflection points and somehow in an interview, be able to bring all that together or put a period or answer the questions on those or maybe get people just to react to the moment. So, you know, I could have a big volume of information sitting right next to me there at the games, but it may not have do anything to do with the moment and the questions I need to ask or what just happened. It's important to learn how to do that. And it takes time over years, over lots of reps to be able to do that. Yes. And you've, you've had you know so many reps. I'm even, I'm looking at your bio right now, Alpine skiing reporter, bobsled, <laughs> luge and skeleton reporter. Yeah. You, know, you know, some of these sports are not something that people that look like you and I really participate yeah. in. So I'm, I'm sure there's probably, there's probably a learning curve with some of those sports as well. Just trying to, you know, be in an environment where there's just not many people that look like you. Right. And, and that's so true, but I have to tell you, I have told sprinters over the years, sprinters in particular, you guys need to come to the winter Olympics, come by my, venue where I am. Uh, my broadcast partner, Lee Diffie, who was a great race uh, caller uh, from motorsports. He's Australian and um, he does a lot of motorsports, just can call a race. He and I worked together at the Winter Olympics and he renamed our bobsled venue, no matter where we are, the House of Speed, because that's what it is. Uh, I say, come by and see bobsled illusion skeleton. It's speed, it's strength, especially if you're pushing and you guys would love to be around it. And um, I can remember being at uh, the Salt Lake Games, my first Winter Games, and Vanetta Flowers was the first African-American woman, I believe, to win an Olympic winter medal. Um, Surely uh, in bobsled, she did that uh, with Jill Bakken. And uh, that was a great moment. And obviously you saw uh, Lolo Jones involved. She hasn't won a medal yet. That could come full circle because Lolo is hoping to be back at the games in Beijing, winter games, and potentially win an Olympic medal finally. The same place where she lost her almost gold medal in the hurdles back in 2008. Wouldn't that be a story? So, um, yeah, I've I've seen more and more athletes, track athletes going up to the um, bobsled luge or or skeleton venues to begin to get some work in Lake Placid or what have you, exploring it. And and I would love to see more younger athletes get a chance to see those venues and maybe get a chance to be around. It'd be very cool. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you mentioned, you know, like a person like Lolo Jones, you know, a all world sprinter on yeah. a track field, then that you know, she's showing up at the Winter Games. And I think everybody kind of did one of these uh, double takes. Yeah. Like, wait, what, what is she doing? And then she's obviously very good at that, too. Yeah. So uh, let's get into, you know, the, the 2020, 2021 Olympics. It's a year like no other. You know, we keep hearing, you know, the first no spectators. Now you hear everything going on with the U.S. men's basketball team and they have very few players available having to replace people. You know, from the athletes you've spoken to over the past few weeks, you know, what's the mindset? Because it has to be something that they are at least a few of them have to be struggling with so many changes last minute when you're used to screaming, you know, lights, you know, the, the big stage and yeah, none of that's happening this year. Grateful. 
That's the word I'm getting, grateful. And so uh, so are those of us, and in, in, in I can tell you from my NBC colleagues that I work with in track and field, the whole team, we're all grateful that we're going because um, the Olympic Games is a platform uh, unlike any other. I mean, I know there's some great, you know, World Cup or what have you, and please, people, don't tweet me about this. I, I love soccer. I love it. And I know it has its place in the world. I'm talking about what we love and what we know. So <laughs> uh, we're, we're grateful. And all the athletes I talk to, Steve, at the trials, I mean, it's the same joy that you actually made the team. And it's the same heartbreak that they didn't make the team. Uh, fans or no fans, uh, you know, and, and so we're all going to go there and navigate it the best we can. Um, I learned a long time ago as a kid, you know, whenever you walk, go into someone's home, you, you walk in with respect, you, you follow the rules and you, you know, and you, you do what you do when you're invited to. We, we carry the same attitude and spirit when we go to, a, to an Olympic Games is when you walk into a country, you, you, you follow and respect the rules. And this one's going to have a lot of rules, a lot of regulations with, with respect to COVID and follow them all to a T because they are doing their best to try and make these games happen. And they're happening for the athletes. But I also hope they're happening for the betterment of our country and the world so that people can see what unity looks like again. People can see what, you know, cultural cohesion looks like again. People together operating and uh, competing in sports leaving politics, race, gender, all these other things outside, mostly uh, to compete for the best of, of their country and for themselves. And I think we're going to see that. So uh, athletes and the, all of us going to there to cover it, we're, we're grateful. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, for the games for you personally, I know you're grateful to be covering number 11, I think you said, for you. When you look back on everything you've done, everything you've seen, you've seen you've seen the records break, you've seen the broken hearts, you've seen everything in between. You know, when you step back and look at what you've been able to do as a career on television, what does it mean to you? What words come to mind? It means a lot because it meant that um, I had this really wild dream that didn't work out as an athlete, but the experiences and the travel and the exposure and the connections and relationships to people that worked in this side of the world uh, had me interested to see what that would be about. And so um, fortunately I had the right people in the right places who would say, you need to keep going with that. You know, don't give up on that. And uh, I had some sort of energy inside that, that felt like, you know, I was never going to get ahead in the business if I I was sitting at home watching it. I actually had to be there wherever there was to be involved with it. Uh, that goes from, you know, working the college football sidelines um, uh, behind the scenes as a runner with ABC Sports at the Rose Bowl many, many years, um, going to buy the fried chicken for Bob Greasy and and, and uh, Keith Jackson and taking it to the booth and they would eat after their commercial, after their rehearsal. And then I go down and I'd follow Lynn Swan around the sidelines to watch how he was being a reporter. I could sit in the truck and watch the directors and producers do the thing. I got to see it from behind the scenes. Those moments of exposure helped to increase the believability that maybe you can be in that. And um, as I continue to move forward uh, through the British Open behind the scenes, the Academy Awards behind the scenes, just being around major events made me want to be a part of major events in some place, in some way. So that's the encouragement, I hope. And now uh, having covered all these games and especially having navigated, we're navigating as a father um, and as a husband and uh, this entire year we've been through with COVID and with the racial unrest, my next charge is to say, how can I help people become closer together in more cultural truth. And so over the last year, I've been working on a program called the Cultural Cohesion Code. And um, that is a program that I'm going to roll out in uh, sports locker rooms across the country, hopefully this fall, uh, with a great team here and the one gentleman here in the in the States who is a longtime friend and business partner, and two other cultural specialists in Australia. We've been meeting for a year, every Wednesday uh, on Zoom, 
uh, developing this program. And what our hope is, is to get into these locker rooms and help to take a place where people are already somewhat together and have somewhat a built amount of trust and knock the walls farther down and get them to share what they're really carrying around in that invisible backpack the grief, the worry, the, all these different things that are happening and let each other begin to talk to one, one another to bring them closer together. That's what CC code is going to be all about. And we want to do that. And then I'll use my media training um, business that I've done before and kind of help teach these athletes how to message this newfound connection to their fans uh, and to other people across campus. And hopefully we can help people just get closer together and stop walking past each other and look at each other and actually talk to each other and learn to respect our differences as opposed to uh, seeing something's wrong with each other. So those are the bigger picture things that I hope that my platform will allow me to do. Um, and I, I'm excited about that. Really excited about it. Yeah, it sounds like such a great program, particularly, you know, inside a locker room. You know, you get people from all parts of the country, particularly a right. college locker room, and you just don't know their background. And you might know them and you might get to know them, but they might be a senior, you might be a freshman. And it sounds like something where it really could be, a, you know, barrier breaking um, and bring some of these teams closer together. And I actually did my first test runs back at UC on campus, thanks to Coach Susan Seaton. I was there and did the men's team one day and the women's team another day and got some great feedback to help us tweak the program. So I was most proud to be able to give this a test run uh, back on campus. And, and, and that was really cool. So looking forward to rolling out in a bigger way uh, in a few months. Absolutely. That's very, very cool. And so back to the Olympics, you know, obviously I'm sure you have a binder this thick full of notes <laughs> for all the sports that you're going to have to get ready for, you know, multiple countries and multiple storylines, you know, for people here in Cincinnati who are going to be watching the Olympic games, you know, they'll be watching it on our station here at WLWT. Give us a, a few of the things to look for, people to be on the lookout for. I mean, obviously we know about Simone Bob and some of the other bigger names, but you know, hone us in on some of these people who may not get that fanfare that people should be looking out for. Well, um, I will say the first thing that I'm excited about with all that is I'll be working the opening ceremony uh, on the 23rd, which will be cool and um, going to be very different again with no fans. But, you know, the parade of athletes, I'm sure will be nice. And I'll be able to go out and talk to some of the track and field athletes, I'm sure. I think my colleague, Michelle Tafoya, will be the other reporter there. And I have such great respect for her with all of her work across the media, of course, on Sunday Night Football and otherwise. But um, at track and field, which is where I'll spend all my time, I mean, you know, <laughs> You know, we saw the women's 400 hurdles at uh, the Olympic trials and Dalila Muhammad and um, the, the world record that was broken. And, and so I, I'm looking at the 400 hurdles um, at the trials and we saw the world record set there. I think we'll see another world record in the in the finals, probably uh, in at the games. Um, we've got Grant Holloway in the um 110 hurdles for men. Uh, he was close to breaking the world record. But I think we'll have just so many uh, stars, collegiate stars, who did great at the NCAA meet two weeks before the trials and then came on uh, to make the team two weeks later. So I, I choose not to really pick a name or say to watch for this. Watch it all. Watch it all because you're going to have some surprises. Uh, you're going to have some people who got the names who are going to do well. The battle in the women's 100 between Great Britain and Jamaica and the United States will be something. Same in the 200 for men. Same over there. So um, and then, of course, uh, just seeing all the great stars who come to do their thing, it's just going to be really something. No question. Absolutely. I have to tell you, my, my favorite event will always be, or our two favorites will be the four by one and then the four by four right. after that. I, I'll never forget my coach would always tell me, you know, the, the four by four is where men are made and you get out there, you know, one right. lap as fast as you can. And it's always a joy to see, you know, nine different countries out there and it's a full sprint for 400 meters. And it's, it's always incredible to watch these athletes do great things. No question. No question. You know, we can't forget about, 
and that's Allison Felix. Of course. Um, yeah. Uh, what she has done over the last uh, five years to get herself now, herself now back and ready to uh, compete, uh, to prove to everybody, including her beautiful daughter, Cami, that she, mommy, could actually come back from having you and a very difficult uh, delivery uh, to back get be back to the top uh, in America and maybe the top in the world to do what she's done. So to make the 400 Olympic team is, is truly special. And uh, she'll be a part of that relay, I'm sure, as well. And she will leave uh, being the most decorated uh, female track and field athlete in American history for us. And um, I think it's going to be very special. But most importantly, it's the message she's sending to her daughter. And she's sending to other moms with daughters or sons to say, you can still do things after pregnancy. And I think her message has been greatly received. She is highly respected. So we look forward to seeing what Allison will do there in Tokyo for sure. All right, the Olympic Games get started. At least the opening ceremony is July 23rd. Lewis Johnson will be there. Watch the track and field events. Watch everything because you'll be able to see it all right here on WLWT. Lewis Johnson, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day as you head off to Tokyo. We'll be watching here from Cincinnati, sir. Awesome, Steve. Thanks so much. Continued success to you. And I look forward to seeing all of you guys on WLWT. We'll be there starting at the opening ceremony. Once again, you can catch all the Olympic coverage on WLWT and catch Lewis Johnson in the track and field venue watching athletes from across the planet go for gold. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening. We've all seen it. That check engine light in our car. Do I check it now? Check it later? Can I keep driving? That one light doesn't tell you what you need to know. And if you get your weather from a symbol on your phone, you're not getting the full story. WLWT Weather has the only certified most accurate forecast in Cincinnati. It's where you get the difference-making details. You'll know exactly what to expect and when, so you can plan your day. WLWT Weather, Cincinnati's certified most accurate forecast.